Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds. And today on the pod, I have a special guest. I grew up always seeing the skater at competitions, at nationals. nationals. He went to a ton of senior B international competitions. He is Sean Rabbit. Sean, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. And uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I listen all the time and just really excited to be here. (laughs) amazing yeah well you're so well known in the skating world you're an artistic fun guy and you have super positive energy about you that just rubs off on everyone whenever we're at all of the skating events and your programs were always so fun to watch and they always attracted a lot of attention because you had just such great presentation on the ice thank you (laughs) uh, (laughs) I think that's what makes skating fun you know is like drawing in a crowd like that and getting the energy going Totally. That That's always what, when you sit in the arena and you watch like 20 skaters, even if you're at a nationals, there's always only a handful of skates that you're really like, oh, that skater just went off and it was just amazing. Right. You could feel the electricity in the crowd. And, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's, there's, I always tell people there's nothing like it. Like until you witness skating in person and you see one of those performances, like it's life changing. It totally is. And it's crazy because I'll watch some of the same performances that left me with chills in person on, you know, YouTube or TV later. And it's not the same. Definitely not. No, it's crazy. And in fact, I remember seeing some of your like, uh, well, Olympic year, your short program at nationals was just fire. And I will never forget witnessing that in person. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, you competed internationally at senior B competitions and you were at nationals like every single year for so long. (laughs) What drove you to skate as you got older and you grew up in the ranks? Sure. So I kind of have a uh, different path that I took than a lot of skaters, Um, mainly being that when I was younger, I kind of I wouldn't say I peaked, but I was doing, you know, well, like the average skater would. And then right when we got to like juvenile, I tried doing pairs. So I was doing singles and pairs and pairs just seemed like a really good opportunity at the time. And um, I got to what they used to have junior nationals three times as a pair and uh, placed in the top 10 there. And so for a while, my main focus was pairs and singles, which it's really hard to split both and be successful at both, in my opinion. Um, And so for a while, I just did mainly pairs. I was really doing well in pairs. And then um, my partner and I ended up splitting ways. And at that point, I decided I want to do more singles again. 
And I was having a really tough time. I was growing a lot. I was in my early teenage years, like 14, 15 um, injuries. And so it was just really tough. And then I went back into pairs when I was competing as a junior man. And I think I was doing novice pairs at the time. And um, that didn't pan out. So then I was like, okay, I really want to go back to singles. I really want to get these triples and I want to see, you know, where the path can take me. And as you know, you have people that are in your corner and you have people that are definitely not in your corner. And um, without stating too much, the coach that I was doing singles and pairs under at the time was not very supportive of that decision. And uh, so, yeah, I had to make some changes and I ended up moving uh, to Tammy Gamble who has been my coach for the last, I don't know, nine years now. And even though I'm not competing, I still call her my coach. I still send her videos of me skating. So yeah, she believed in my um, quest to get to the top and she really supported that. And so then, yeah, that took me, I, I think that was the biggest thing is I'm kind of a skater of, I want to do things my way. I, I, li I like to listen to the professionals. That's why they have the job. But as far as like the path of figure skating goes, you know, I wanted to succeed and I wanted to get internationals and represent team USA. Everyone loves that moment. You get your first team USA jacket. And so, yeah, I think it was just my own driving force of, you know, I wanted to see how far I could go. And once I found the right team to support me in that, it was kind of a smooth sailing from there. That's amazing. I mean, what you said, that's so key in any situation, in any sport, really, that an athlete can look for is to have a team that is going to be fully supportive and create an environment for you that makes you want to keep going and doesn't make exactly. it like a drag. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. It, it is so important. I can't say that enough. So you and I both know that the sport is definitely really expensive. Skating is probably one of the most expensive sports out there just in terms of coaching, choreography, you know, all the other off-ice things, whether you do dance or strength and conditioning. And then we have our equipment, our boots and our, you know, costumes. There's just so much that goes into it. So yeah. at a certain point in your skating career, like, especially as kids, you know, reach the age of 18, once you're independent, that's the time that skaters start to decide, you know, can they keep pursuing competitive skating? They're going to have to start supporting themselves, you know, if parents maybe um, can't keep doing it for them. So tell yeah. us about how you supported yourself in your endeavors. Sure. Definitely. So um, I think one of the reasons actually going back a little bit into the pairs portion that especially in my later career, I did novice pairs was pairs in a way is a little bit cheaper because you can either split the cost of like the coaching time or if you're really lucky you can get a partner that's willing to foot as much of the bill as you need be um and so i think that was kind of one of the reasons I, why i went into that but as i went back into singles my parents um they gave me all that they could which um wasn't a lot i i did three lessons a week and a lot of times i was skating on public sessions to get the most out of our, you know, money. Um, and so when I was 18, the rink that's near my house, uh, hired me as a junior coach. And by doing that, I was able to make a little bit of money and help to pay for my skating. And, um, eventually I started coaching pretty much full time. I would say by 2021, I was doing about like 10 hours of private lessons a week and on top of training full time. And that really allowed me to start training more because whatever my parents couldn't afford, I could, you know, pay for more of that. And uh, then I was very blessed that 
uh, once I got onto Team USA, then you receive a little bit of funding. And because I was so used to making a little go a long way, that little bit of funding that we do get was really impactful and really helped um, take me further. But it took a lot of grinding and the whole time I stayed coaching full time through it. So um, it really, you know, I remember listening, uh, actually yesterday, I was listening to the podcast with you and your mom. And she said, you know, making the most of your time. Some rinks don't have a lot of ice time and whatever. And it was the same for me. Like I was like, okay, I know how much this freestyle costs. I need to make every minute count and use every minute to my advantage. And I really think it matured me quickly and made me very responsible for my training. I think that's a great point. I think a lot of times, um, especially when, you know, younger kids, obviously mostly parents or whoever are kind of paying for ice time and whatnot, they don't understand like how valuable every minute is on the ice. And I know even for me, if I walked on a session a minute or two late, to me, it was no big deal. I was, you know, skating for an hour. What's 58 minutes. But my mom would be like, (laughs) no, like that minute counts. Right. And it, you know, it, it definitely, there's a huge difference between trying to be super intensive and like trying to knock everything out in an hour. And then you know, you're actually exhausted and you can be done for the day or you can drag it out and be there for three hours and do the same amount of work, but you know, you're not being smart about it. So it's all about working smart. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I always tell my students now. Um, and even when I was training, I was like, if I could get this done in an hour and a half or two hours, you can easily get it done in the same amount of time when, you know, I, I, at the time was higher level, I have more to accomplish. So if I can get all my triples a short and a long and go back and do parts, in two hours, then you can easily do a juvenile free skate in two hours, you know? (laughs) Definitely. And it also just makes it better because then it's like you show that good work ethic and then you can go about your day and do, you know, anything else you want to do. Skating doesn't have to take up the full day. Thank you. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what was the biggest challenge of coaching at the same time of training? Because I never did coaching like as a skater while I was in training. And I like, can't imagine just, you know, like, obviously I know so many skaters who do do that, but for me, I'm like so exhausted after training. I'm like there and I'm like, I just want to go home. And then you're still there. You're still on the ice. You're still working with kids and putting your energy in, in a different way. So yeah, there's a couple of challenges. Honestly, I would say the first one is time management and not like the time on the ice, so to speak, but more it's like running a long program, like really managing your endurance throughout the day. So if I was going to be in the rink from, I I used to start at five 15 in the morning and I'd be there till 6 PM. Um, and sometimes two rinks in a day, it just depended on the schedule. And so you really had to manage your time. And so for the kids that were a little bit higher level, I would try to let them be a little bit more independent. I'm not a coach that I like to just stand around. I'm very active, very, um, hands-on like to show them examples of things and so you kind of have to find that happy balance of like okay I'm gonna you know manage these ones a little bit more than these ones or like the little kids you do have to be more active so you try to save those for the end of the day so that's one challenge and then um, another challenge I would feel like is if you have a bad day on the ice as a skater not bringing that into your teaching because it's not fair to those kids that you're having a bad day. And you also have to set an example because a lot of the kids that I was working with were some of uh, Tammy skaters. So if they saw me training earlier in the day and I had a bad day, then I had to set the example of, okay, leave it on the ice and move into the lesson without bringing that baggage with you. And 
you know, they always say, leave it on the ice. You know, when you go home, leave it there. And so it would be the same kind of challenge. Like there's days where, like you're saying, you, oh, I want to go home. And it's like, no, okay, you got to, you know, get yourself together and get back out there. And now they're looking up to you. So you have to really put on a good face and be positive and, you know, show them that that's okay. So I would say that those were like the two biggest challenges, but you kind of get into a groove after a while and you just figure out, you know, it's like going to school and balancing skating in school. Um, but I also felt like another challenge and this was something I didn't, I, I realized a couple of years ago and then I really realized it um, after announcing that I wasn't going to be competing. And that is a lot of people are hesitant to take from you. So I was balancing again, a training schedule of, you know, on ice and off ice work like 20 hours a week, plus coaching 15 to 20 hours a week. And I had a ton of kids, but I would get these kids that would maybe try out like with me or uh, Grant Hochstein or a couple of other of the coaches in the area. And, you know, they would end up choosing whoever. And I would ask if I ever saw them like, oh, why didn't you choose me? Or they would email me and say, hey, we're not going to go with you because we don't feel like you're going to be 100% committed. And that was one of those things I was like, you know, I have literally stepped off a plane from Japan and gone straight to the rink to teach my kids. And they'll tell you, like, I won't miss anything. Um, and so that was a little bit disappointing because I felt like it was really hard to emotionally straddle. Like, I want to be a good skater, so I'm coaching to, to pay for my skating. But also, I do want to do a good job at coaching. And um so it was, it, it was, that was another difficult thing because I wasn't always coaching the level you could say that I wanted to try and coach. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That makes sense. It is really cool though, that you were really cognizant of all of those things, because I know there's a lot of people who don't think that way and they, they do take all of their emotions from whatever. And like, they expand it onto all these other people and they expect everyone else to just understand um, right. But especially when you're working with kids, you know, it's so important to set up a good example and to be a good role model. And so it, it sounds like you were really doing that, which is awesome. Thank you. I tried. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> well, you retired recently, right? From competitive yes. skating. Yes. How is that transition for you? You know, it's been interesting. And I, it's been nice that, again, you and I, we grew up competing together, doing a lot of the same competitions for many, many years. And I know you announced your retirement right before I did actually like a week or two, maybe give or take. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's been kind of cool in a way to not go through this alone. Um, I know that sounds kind of weird, but like <laughs> I see like what you're doing on social media and how you're just loving your life right now and so much success again with this amazing podcast and you're doing <laughs> seminars and it's nice to kind of like, have someone by my side doing the same kind of thing because I'm navigating my life and I'm loving it right now. Doesn't mean I have it all together and know what's going on, but it's been, so it, you know, it's been a really cool experience and it's, you know, I think one of my driving forces is like I said, when I was um, growing up and getting to the elite levels, I was very much uh, driven by myself. Like I wanted to do this because I wanted to travel and I don't know if you've gone through the same experience, but like you kind of get used to being in like the high life of figure skating, going to competitions and doing tons of shows. And um, I mean, COVID took a lot of that away. So it did make the decision a lot easier, but it's kind of weird because making that decision to leave, I wouldn't say a lot of it behind because there's still so many amazing opportunities, but 
I think just making that decision is really hard. Like in my heart, I knew I didn't want to compete anymore, but uh, I loved like going to nationals and getting a standing ovation and knowing and accepting that I might never experience that again was tough. But then again, seeing people like you that accomplished even more than I did, went to the Olympics and did, you know, stars on ice. I'm like, okay, if Polina can do it, like I can do it. And so that actually like seeing other athletes make those decisions has made it easier. And then again, from that point on, like I've been wanting to travel, of course, COVID's not made that super easy, but I'm actually, we're, as we said, we're, uh, I'm recording this from Hawaii right now. Woo. Um, woo. And I'm just having the best time. I came here two months ago and it's so nice not having the commitment of skating. Like, of course I have the mm-hmm. commitment of coaching and stuff, but I have a great team of coaches. I work with um, about six different coaches for all my kids. And so I can up and leave to do seminars or do shows still. And it's really great. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, just trying to experience new things coming to Hawaii by myself and going on hikes. I don't like hiking to be honest. And so, you know, just I love hiking. Push... <laughs> I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know? um, <laughs> I've done some amazing hikes here. I did Cocoa Head, which is the steps all the way to the top of the uh, volcano or mountain oh, or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you should do Crouching Lion. Oh, I heard that one's really good. You can keep so, going past the, the, the lion head. And that's oh. like, I, last year I went and I posted photos of like this insane ridge hike that I did. And that oh. we just went past it and we were hiking on the ridge. It was so crazy. Oh, that's cool. Oh, maybe yeah. I'll do that tomorrow then. You should. Yeah, so you know. <laughs> experiencing new things like that and trying to find new ways to push and challenge myself because as skaters that's one of the things I think we all thrive off of is the challenge the push and so finding things that kind of replace that I don't think you're ever gonna fully replace it but you'll find things that are like that and so yeah when I was here two months ago I was like oh I'm here like I'm gonna challenge myself I'm gonna climb Coco Head one of the hardest uh hikes here and I did it and it, it was a really cool feeling at the end. And so, you know, I'm really enjoying this uh, next chapter of retirement and just kind of exploring. And I, I've seen several athletes post about, you know, the retirement and what it's like. And one of the things, and I don't know, maybe you've gotten this too, but people want to know immediately, what's your next step? What are you moving into? And it's like, I don't know. And I kind of don't want to know yet. Like I don't, my life has been so printed out like the the steps have always been in front of me and now it's time to really discover it on my own and see where it leads and the only for sure thing is coaching skating but beyond that it's been really a fun journey so far the last uh five months to just kind of see where the road takes me absolutely you know i think kind of like you said the one of the hardest parts of leaving the competition behind and making that big decision to step away I've heard, you know, so many skaters talk about this as I've been interviewing them, but, you know, definitely in my own experience, all of that, those highlights, right? Like the going to the competitions, traveling, you know, being well-known, you know, in the skating community, going into shows, all of that stuff made it extremely hard to step away, right? Because that's kind of what makes us special in both the skating world, but also just in normal life. Like who else gets to do those things? Uh, But you know, definitely realizing as I've navigated this past year that I can still be involved in skating, whether it be through seminars, coaching, doing this podcast now, it has been so refreshing knowing that I don't have to be 
training and killing my body and trying to be at this top level just to be in the skating circle. Like you can still be in it. You can still be involved in so many different ways. And there's so many other skating circles to tap into. That's honestly been the best part of, you know, running this podcast and like leaping into all the things I want to do is that there's such a small percentage of exposure that we get from skating. And those are the top skaters, which deservedly so with all of their hard work, but there's also, you know, so much to go into with show skating, so much to go into with synchronized skating, college skating, you know, it's, it's, amazing just to know that's that we thing. can there really broaden it so many paths yeah it's, yeah there's so many things to go into and i think there's just so much to explore and learn beyond that like um you know like you said there's college skating i am such a huge supporter of my a lot of my students are at that point where they're going into college and i'm like great keep competing go do college skating or go do shows when shows are starting up again. And uh, I even work with a lot of adult skaters and I consider myself an adult skater. And it was really fun because like the last two years at nationals or so. um, So I just turned 31 last week. And uh, so my last nationals, I was 30. Yeah, I guess I was 30. And so like um, adult skate two, which is like a big adult skating program. They were all there supporting with signs that were like, you know, Sean's our favorite adult skater. And, (laughs) Um, it was really, you know, so that's a whole nother like thing to, that I've kind of like tapped into and been a huge supporter of is the adult skating community because I'm like, well, I'm an adult and I skate. So definitely. Um, yeah. So they, it's funny. Awesome. They're like pushing me. They're like, you should compete in adults. And I'm like, uh, let's, let's not for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, might as well, you know, the skating, the skating circle is constantly growing. It doesn't have to be it the is. small one we always knew. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's no, awesome. but you're right. It's, it's hard to make that decision. But again, I think you get so stuck in the skating world. Like I know you've talked about it. Many of your skaters on the pod have talked about it. Like it's your identity. And so I think that's really difficult to leave behind, but then it's been really fun to find this new identity and just explore, you know, kind of relive what we should have done in our like teenage years or young 20s, you know? Yeah, that was also one of the biggest things. I actually remember talking a lot to Max Aaron and um, Katarina Kolgeko about this. Mm -hmm. So we we used to hang out quite a bit and we would be sitting there. I know I love Katya so much. She's great. Um, But we'd be sitting like on the beach and we would all just be like, wow, we can sit here as long as we want. We can go in the water if we want to. We can do anything we want to tonight because we don't have training in the morning or training at yeah. all tomorrow, or we don't have right. to consciously make decisions on what we're doing in life based off of training. And that is so liberating. And you know, that's really been also why having this time off from skating and like stepping away has been such a positive experience for me is just because I'm really taking advantage of all of the opportunities that I can take now that I couldn't do before. So can I ask you a question? When did you really start to, I know you had like injuries and there's been COVID, but like, when did you really start to like hone in on that fact? Like, you know, it's okay to leave. Like, Went because I know I realized it probably before Detroit Nationals in 2019. Mm-hmm. I had wanted to, that was like the first year that I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to step away. Um, and leading up to that, I remember like little, little things like that, like 
you know, I would take maybe like a couple of days off and I'd be like, oh, this is so nice. So I'm, I was curious, like, when did you kind of first start like realizing that open world that you could have? For me, it was honestly last May, which is kind of insane to think about, but uh, really with all of my time off from skating um, in college with my injury, I was having, you know, an absolute blast and I was having all these doors open to me that I was taking. And so going back into competitive training was hard just knowing that, you know, I had to step kind of back in the house. I had to like close the doors again and be like super dedicated, but I was willing to do it because I, you know, I missed skating. I missed the highs. I missed being at all of the competitions and being like in the in circle. And that was kind of what was driving me was I wanted to get back. Um, and I was doing it. And then, you know, when the pandemic hit and I was like forced to take the time off and not be super dedicated to spending, you know, X amount of hours on the ice. And I, I went to Hawaii with my friends, um, to quarantine there with my friend who lives in North shore. I was working out every day in Hawaii. I was being super dedicated, like dieting. I was running and, you know, like doing like 30 off ice jumps a day on the floor, And as I kind of relaxed into that um, training, I I realized upon coming home in May when I was like, okay, the rinks are back open and I can start skating again. I was like, do I really want to push myself back into this corner where I'm so physically exhausted and I'm constantly getting micro injuries? Do I want to Mm -hmm. mentally go through this again? Because for me, the mental game was probably the hardest part of just okay, now I haven't done a triple Lutz in like three months and right. I have to just start again. Like that's terrifying. Right. It um, is, and right? I, yeah. People don't realize that. People think we just put on our skates and get back on the ice and boom, no. stack, snap of the fingers. <laughs> exactly. It is. It takes just so much. It takes so much effort and so much strength in so many ways. And I just kind of had this realization of, you know, these past few months have actually been really great for me. I feel like there's a lot of stress lifted off my shoulders. I'm having so much fun and I'm so happy just like living life and, you know, doing all these different things. And I was like, all right, well, I guess this is kind of my sign of like, it's okay to move on now. And I'm, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to enjoy life away from skating. That was kind of the biggest part too. It wasn't like an unknown jump for me. It was more of like, I know exactly how it's going to go if I step away. So I'm just going to do it. Right. Yeah, I kind of went through the same thing. Um, For me, it was so actually I'm thinking about it now. 2019, I thought I was going to be done. So after Detroit Nationals, I like at that point was like 100% for sure. So I'm actually one year off. It was the year before that in 2018 Olympic year. Um, And uh, it was in San Jose, and it didn't go quite as well as I had wanted it to. And that was for a bunch of various different things. Um, You know, like, eating. I was very strict with my diet leading up to it and put it this way. I wasn't like a huge contender, but I did, you know, I was one of 10, 11 guys that you're on team USA and you just never know. And it was one of those things you do the math and you're like, okay, I've beaten this guy, you know, when I've scored this and I've beaten that. So you, you have an idea like, okay, if all the stars just happen to align, you might, if not get to be on the team, get an uh, alternate spot, or you could get four continents that year. Cause usually, you know, they take for example, like top three, give or take, or top four to Olympics. And then the next four, five, six, or six, seven go to four continents. So I was like, okay, that's like a really doable goal for me. Um, 
And I just, I took it almost too seriously. And just, I was like literally weighing out my food to the ounces and putting stress on my mental and my body that I just, I didn't need. And so I remember after that nationals, I went to Tammy and I was like, Hey Tammy, I think I'm done. And she was like, why don't you just take a couple of months off and see? And so in the end, I ended up going back to skating, but that was kind of, for me, like the first like taste of it. I was like, Oh, I've, I don't have to skate today. I can go do whatever I want. I could go to the beach. I can go swimming. And then, you know, inevitably I wanted to come back and continue because I had still some unfinished goals I wanted to try and accomplish, which is what kept me going two more years actually. But again, after Detroit, I kind of like reevaluated and same thing. I was like, no, I think I still, cause my ultimate goal was to get a Grand Prix. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately that never happened. And um, there were to touch on kind of what Ross has said with his like Olympic story, mm-hmm. there were some similar isms in my story about that like oh yeah like you know if you hit this jump you'll get it or if you score this you'll get it and I would like do everything they asked me to do and still never got it and so even with this year um so I did went through nationals 2020 in Greensboro had a great nationals and I was like okay done that's it like I'm I'm fully through the door of like retirement I'm done And then there was, you know, Skate America was at home, which meant that there could be more um, in-country representatives. And so Tammy was like, come on, like, give it one last shot. And so I did. I actually started training in the summer again. I was running programs. I submitted to the ISP challenge and I did the virtual challenge. And it was so-so. It wasn't that great because I'm definitely one that feeds off the audience. And so doing a long program in a rink with nobody is just not my thing. (laughs) And, uh, but I did. Okay. I did like, okay. And I was told like, Oh, if you just show up and do it, even if it's not perfect, like you have a record of achievements. So, you know, you would probably be in and then they didn't choose me for it. And so that was kind of like, all right, like, yeah. And you know, it it was fine though. Cause again, I was like, I had accepted the fact that I wasn't going to get a grand prix. And I was like, I've accomplished all these amazing goals on a list of things. I set a list back in like 2022 or sorry, 2012 of like, these are the things I want to accomplish after having switched to Tammy. And I accomplished every single one except for a Grand Prix. So I was like, you know, that's like, I can't complain about that. And so I was already ready to step away, but having that like little bit of hope did make it a little bit difficult. Um, But you know, in the end it is what it is and it doesn't define me. And a lot of people actually think I've competed at Skate America or NHK. So I'm like, cool. You think that. (laughs) I was honestly going to say too, like, I was like, I, I, you definitely competed at the Grand Prix. You've had to have. So I'm in that boat too, but yeah. So cool. Keep thinking that. (laughs) No, it's, I mean, it's so relatable. And I think at the end of the day with anybody's career, it's like, there's always going to be like something more that you wanted. And, and I, like, you know, been experiencing a lot of that. I learned in college, actually, this particular concept that I always love to tell people. It's like the upward and downward thinking comparison. And so for me in a similar way, it's like I wanted to keep skating because I wanted to go back to the Olympics and I wanted to place higher. I wanted to be on the podium, you know, all of these different dreams and goals. And at some point I kind of looked at my career and I was like, yeah, I want this, but does it really change, you know, my past record of all that I've already accomplished? Am am I happy with what I already have? And I like looked back on it and I was like, well, I can either, you know, be thinking upward, like, 
well, I need to have this, or I can think downward and be like, well, I have all of these things on my record that a lot of people can't say that they've done in their life. And I'm really, I'm happy with that. I think, you know, everyone in my circle is happy with that. Like it's okay. (laughs) It's totally okay. And you know, like that was the great thing is, so at nationals last year, when I was done in Greensboro, I like, you know, cameras turned off and we were sitting in the kiss and cry. And I turned to Tammy and I said, you know, I'm done. And she knew that, like, we'd already talked about that. I told her, you know, this is my last nationals. Like I can't do it anymore. And so I gave her a hug and she said, you know, I'm so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. And so when she called me in the summer and was like, you know, just try, I think she was okay with the fact that if I did just try and then I didn't end up getting it or I didn't want to do it, that was okay. But one thing I have really loved about Tammy is she always could see the potential in me when others couldn't. And so even with this, I think back to it and I feel like she saw more potential in me than even I saw in the summer. And so I'm so grateful that I did at least try. And so when I did call her after I was done with the virtual challenge and didn't get assigned, I was like, okay, Tammy, just so you know, and I'm sure you know, but I'm done. And she's like, I appreciate you trying because, you know, I would hate for you to have left and regretted maybe not doing it. At least now you can step away. And that really changed my mindset because I was actually pretty bummed. Like, you know, you, you, again, you step away for a little bit, even if you don't announce anything and you're just starting to live your life. And then, like you said, you close the door, you go back in the house. And so I was definitely like a little bit sad about it. And I was like, okay, well, I kind of did want this, but so, you know, she was really great about it, very comforting. And that's when she said, you know, you have all these accomplishments that when you started working with me eight or nine years ago, you didn't have even one of them. So she was like, you know, you can take that and run with that and be happy with that. And I heard, um, I remember one of my friends telling me like, you know, once you go to the Olympics, you're always an Olympian, right? And so mm-hmm. recently someone asked me, cause on my Instagram, it says team USA. It doesn't say former team USA. And I am a firm believer that once you're team USA, you're always part of that team USA family. So I should never have to say former. That'd be like saying formerly Sean rabbit, you know, like yeah, absolutely. To, to me and some, some disagree, but I, I feel strongly that, you know, you're forever an Olympian, you're forever a member of team USA. And I feel like I'm forever a member of team USA. And that was always my ultimate goal was to get to that. And I'm proud of that. And, you know, it's made stepping away difficult, but very easy at the same time. I, I totally agree to that. I absolutely believe that you're forever going to be a Team USA athlete. It doesn't need to be a past yeah. or like future thing. Exactly. And um, that's also something that I've told like other Team USA athletes that I've um, talked to where they're kind of a little bit down. They're like, well, I mean, I was Team USA, but like I never did this or did, got this or got this. And I'm like, you're a Team USA athlete. Like how right. many people can say that they were on Team USA in any sport? You know, that is something exactly. huge that you shouldn't be like, eh, I wasn't that good. Like, no, you were on no. Team USA. <laughs> I know. There's yeah. only, you know, between 10 and 15 of us each year. And when you think about yeah. how big the skating community in the United States is, I mean, the United States as a country is huge. And skating numbers wise is actually very big. And so Mm -hmm. when you think you are in that top, top echelon, like that's a huge accomplishment you will keep with you for the rest of your life. Definitely. Yeah, Yeah. totally agree. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. 
Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off on your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon, clearly better. Well, now that you're coaching, what like direction do you hope to pursue with that? Like, do you want to take little kids in the hope of, you know, growing them into competitive athletes or are you trying to, you know, take kids of all ages and all levels and just have fun with it? Sure. Um, so I've been, like I said, I was coaching a lot, like while I was training to help pay for my skating. And during that, I had actually, I had a boy that I took from marching through a triple toe and he made it to sectionals a couple of times. And wow. so it was really cool. Yeah, it was cool because I actually competed. Uh, There's one sectionals I competed literally the next event after his. So I like put him on and then I competed. And I actually think that was the first sectionals I won. Um, so, you know, I've already, I would say, set the bar pretty high for myself is what I know I can accomplish as a coach. So I would love to become like the next Tammy or the next uh, David Glenn or, you know, someone with top, top skaters. And one thing I think I'm very understanding of, though, is the road to get there is not easy. And I think a lot of skaters retire and they're like, OK, I want to. I I want Team USA kids right away, you know, and it doesn't work like that. You have to really prove yourself. You have to know how to teach a Mohawk. Honestly, teaching a triple Lutz is so easy, in my opinion. Teaching a Mohawk is not Mm -hmm. easy, you know. (laughs) So um, right now, I am very comfortable with the level of skaters I have. I am I'm head coaching about six skaters. And then um, I'm team teaching and assisting about another 12 or 13 skaters. Um, So it's really good because there's a nice um, diversity in the levels I'm teaching. My skaters are all pre-juvenile through novice right now, which is like exactly kind of where I want to be with coaching. And then I'm teaching um, one of my lowest skaters right now is just working on crossovers that I'm assistant coaching. Um, and one of my highest skaters can do through triple Lutz and I'm working on choreography and skating skills with that one. So it's really nice because, um, I kind of like that balance of, I have a couple of mine that I'm really focusing a lot of my head coaching energy on. And then I have a whole bunch of other kids that I still have a hand in helping and making better. And so I think having that balance is really good. And as far as like a goal for coaching, like I said, I would love to become a top coach, but, um, I'm also just, again, open to exploring where that goes. I really pre-COVID wanted to do a lot more seminars. And um, I had gone to Korea to work with Hayen Lee before she went to Junior Worlds. Um, so I got to work with her and it was only wow. on like skating skills and choreography and performance. And then, uh, as you know, I go to Japan a lot. And so I just did virtual choreography for a senior man over there that's making his senior debut. Um, that was really tough doing that through videos and stuff. But so, you know, there's a lot of like opportunities outside of my rink that I kind of want to take and see. And so I don't know right now I'm, it's kind of like not quite sure where I want to go with coaching. I know that I have great opportunities at home and internationally. And so I'm just kind of taking them all as things kind of shape back into some normality again and kind of seeing where it leads and which one's going to make me, feel the most fulfillment. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. That's also just so cool that there are so many avenues that you can take, you know, it's, there's no limit, no cap. (laughs) 
Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I don't see why you can't do both of them. You know, like there mm-hmm. are coaches that definitely um, they head coach, but they also travel quite a bit to help out other coaches. And um, I love doing that. Like, uh, I think you called it consultant coaching. Yeah. Consultant. Yeah. I love, I love doing that. So I've been working Mm -hmm. actually on zoom with a lot of skaters in Peru, Argentina, again, Japan. Um, and so it's been really fun to do that and kind of like just assist in their growth. And so we'll see, I don't know. I'm open to whatever the universe gives me. I feel the same way. I was working with some kids in Mexico and I was like, this is awesome. Like I, I love being able to help out. Um, but at the same time, you know, just being a consultant, I'm not like put in the full responsibility of right. like taking care of everything. So it's like, I'm, I'm just giving my help and we'll see, you know. Yeah. That does and I, up. you know, I've worked with the Mexican skaters too. I went to Puebla to work with some mm-hmm. skaters. And then I, over the summer, I did a bunch of Zooms with all the different camps. And aren't they amazing? Like they just love to skate there. They they are. It is so honestly refreshing to be in an environment like that where they're just, you know, stoked for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They were some of my favorites. Well, skating culture in a lot of ways can sometimes be negative. You and I have both experienced right. that from our own skating careers. But now that you're in a coaching position where you're able to influence a lot of young skaters, what do you hope they take away when they work with you? That's a really good question. Um, My biggest thing is I want to be, again, the coach that supports them in whatever they want to do. And I really learned so much of that from Tammy. Um, I had four head coaches in my whole career. I took from Wendy Burge, Ming Zhu Lee, uh, Peter Opegaard and Tammy Gamble and Wendy Burge was my first coach of like 11 years and she gave me a great foundation. Ming Zhu Lee um, is who I got my triples with. They're very sloppy and all over the place but she's who got me to rotate them and I got to my first nationals with her so she also saw a lot in me and she really impacted me as much as Tammy did just because she saw so much potential and so then again I went to Tammy I think having those two major influential coaches and how positive they were and how much they could see in me has really taught me how to be that coach for my students. And even just even coaching aside, like on social media, I want to try and be a presence of positivity and hard work and motivation. And I think, like you said, there can be so much negativity and I have experienced it. And I sit back and again, really retiring has put it a lot of it into perspective. And I'm like, why does there need to be that negativity? You can be tough. You can definitely, you know, push your kids. Like I get loud, I'll yell, come on, get, get it done, get it done. But I don't think you need to be negative or diminishing to their confidence. And I think there's a, a difference between being tough and being negative. And so I always try to encourage my kids, um, to love skating. Like in the end, you have to just love skating. You skate because you want to skate, not because your mom tells you to skate, not because I'm telling you to skate. Like if you don't want to skate, there's the door, please leave. Like I want you to walk in and walk out of this rink, loving it, no matter how high you get, no matter if you ever get an axle, like you should just love the feeling of being on the ice and creating cool shapes with your edges and you know you can just be free like there's nothing nothing in skating outside of competition where there's requirements has a requirement you know so if you get onto a freestyle and you want to play some music like there's no requirements you can go do whatever you want that makes you feel good and so I try to really explain that to my students and um, 
again, even on social media, I really try to push that and explain that. And I've had such an outreach of skaters that, you know, will reach out to me and say, thank you for, you know, the, the inspirational quote that you posted yesterday. Like it's exactly what I needed because I had a rough day and, you know, hearing stuff like that really makes me think, you know, I'm making a huge impact and can confidently say that. So, um, yeah, I just, I try to teach positively and encourage and let them know that they're on their own path. You know, you don't have to be Alyssa Lou to be a good skater. You could be, uh, Carolina Costner, who was, I think, 30 when she won the world's short program, you know, or you can mm-hmm. just be a happy collegiate skater or never compete in your life. Just as long as you like the sport, then, you know, that's all that is required to be here. Totally. That's awesome that you're really pushing that message out to your skaters because it is so important that kids from any level are taking positives and taking, you know, life lessons from their sport and that way they can apply those memories to anything that they do. Definitely. I think it's so important. Well, one of the biggest issues in skating currently, and I also feel like in the past, obviously, um, is body image. So now that you're a coach, how do you approach or plan to approach this topic with your own students? Sure. So I kind of touched on it a couple of questions back uh, going into 2018. So I, And I think this is actually a great opportunity to talk about it. I've talked about it a little bit before, but I actually have faced a lot of body image issues. Um, And it's not widely talked about amongst men. Um, Mm. A lot of male skaters either don't have to deal with it, don't care to deal with it, or they do face it and they don't speak about it. And I have posted and talked about it a little bit and I have received some feedback from some male skaters. So yeah, I've dealt with it. Um, I don't no offense to my family, but I don't come from a genetically blessed family. Um, My one side is very tall, very thick, larger, if you will, trying to put that in the nicest terms, but it is a fact. They're not the most athletic. Let's put it that way. And then, you know, unfortunately I've inherited that uh, frame of body. So it was very apparent to me um, that as I got older, and you, you should never gauge yourself based off the scale. But at the time, I didn't know any better. And I would step on the scale and I'd be like, oh my gosh, my weight has gone up. And um, then I would notice my skating wasn't so good. And so I definitely went through a lot of you know stages. And I remember going to one competition. I'd actually worked really hard in the summer. I had lost a ton of weight put on a lot of muscle. I was skating so well. I think it was 2015. Like I felt like that was like the best year of my skating. And someone came up to me after the competition. They were like, great skate, but you look too fat. And you kind of step back and you're like, wait, I, I've worked so hard. I skated so well and I feel good. And maybe my image on the ice isn't the ideal image that you want, but who cares if I'm getting the job done? Mm-hmm. And that really was like a big blow to my confidence. And that was where I really, you know, started to become more conscious of what I was eating and how I trained. And um, and there was a positive and a negative to that. The negative was that, you know, you, you become too too overly conscious of it. You start to again weigh things down to the ounces and you get OCD and that's not healthy at all. The positive was um, I had an amazing off-ice trainer Tyrone um, and he worked with so many top skaters and 
I hated fitness, to be honest. <laughs> I did not like doing off ice. I did not like going to the gym. And we had a long talk and he said, well, what would make going to the gym fun? What exercises do you like? And so he really tried to make going to the gym a, a fun or going to workouts a fun opportunity for me to escape the ice, not worry about how do I look, but instead worry about more like, how can I be stronger? How can I be better? And so he really taught me to enjoy fitness and fast forward um, after 2018, when I was like, okay, I can't eat this way anymore. Like I really started to take a different approach and say, I don't care what people think I look like. If I've put on some muscle, great. I feel good. As long as I feel good on the ice, I'm going to skate good. And I think it proved to do well because I ended up hitting two personal bests at nationals that year and the next year and skating really well. And now taking that, I got my personal trainer certification, uh, during lockdown. Um, and it's been really great because now I can bring that to seminars and bring that to my skaters. And I try to also have a very healthy approach with them with food. So for example, if they have a really good lesson at the end of the week, I do this thing called uh, Friday five. So if they have a really good lesson on Friday and they can accomplish like five of every jump in a row, so let's say five axles, five double sows, five double sows, I'll reward them. And sometimes it's a $5 gift card to Starbucks. Sometimes it's um, five bobas over the next month, or sometimes it's like five little chocolates. And I try to have like a very healthy relationship with them in food and teach them that it is, you know, you have to eat healthy for sure. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat that. You definitely have to, you know, your body is your car and you have to fuel it correctly, mm -hmm. but it's okay to also eat junk food. It's okay to splurge and enjoy yourself. And that's actually what's going to make you want to stay healthier because it's like, okay, I had my, you know, Hershey bar today. I'm good. Now I can go back to proteins and salads and that. And then next week, if I want it, I can eat that you know, slice of cake and I'm going to feel okay and good about it. So I try now to really approach my skaters with those healthy mindsets and, you know, checks and balances, if you will. That's awesome. Yeah. I know it's just so important to be consciously teaching kids, like, especially like you don't know what's going on at home. You don't know what's going on in their own heads, like regarding things like body image. And so right. as a person in influence and also as an adult who's been through the skating world, like you have so much power to instill this sense of confidence right. within themselves and also um, this healthy mindset that they're always learning, they're always taking from so many things, whether mm -hmm. it be from something like social media or their parents or their friends at school, you know, right. unless you're getting advice from an actual qualified person, a dietitian, nutritionist. Right that's not like, you can't just look up some fad on Instagram that somebody is doing and be like, exactly. this is what that's going to work. But, um, you right. know, as long as they're not getting harsh feedback, which yeah, like right. every skater I've talked to, like you just mentioned, you know, a judge coming up to you after a skate and mentioning that they didn't like the way that you were looked right. That's right. just so And that was just harmful. one time. Like I've had it happen multiple, multiple times. Um, and you know, people forget to like, as a guy, like, it, it is just the, uh, what's the word? The, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm spacing right now. Anyway, it's just our genetic makeup. Like men tend to mm -hmm. make muscle, like bigger muscle, like right. especially in studying my personal training, like you learn so much about the different body types and stuff. So mm -hmm. as I hit 25, 26, 27, like that's when men tend to peak as far as like their muscle growth. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, like you can't take that away from people. It's going to happen. It's part of your genealogy. So when mm-hmm. women, you know, they get boobs and a butt when they're teenagers, it happens and you shouldn't make them feel shameful of it. And I get so sick of hearing people in the skating world that are not educated on these things and not to say I'm fully educated. I only, you know, have been studying it for the last year, but it's Mm -hmm. a lot more than some. And it's like, it's part of your body. Now what you have to do is use it to your advantage, learn to work with it and use it as a strength. And it's not, you know, so I get so fired up about that because again, like you look at men and that's, when our peak is, is mid twenties. And that's when people were starting to tell me like, Oh, you're looking either. It was either too fat or too muscular. And one time I was told to look exactly like a skater. That was my height. They're of Asian ethnicity, which is a completely different body build than mine. Mm-hmm. And they told me to look exactly like them. And I was like, that is impossible. I can't be, you know, I wear like, let's say a size 31 waist and they were like a 28. I was like, that is impossible. I can't do that. You just look at their build and they're completely different. So yeah, I think people have to, it starts with us, this next generation, making these changes in our community and educating ourselves more. And if we can't physically get that education, reaching out to those that can help to educate us or help our skaters or other skaters and sharing what we can on social media and with our kids. Definitely. And I think just the key aspect of always pushing and encouraging individuality and not, you know, shaming people for not looking in a a specific cookie cutter way is another change that needs to keep being pushed forward because Mm -hmm. we're losing too many great kids to silly things like eating and like not eating properly because they're hearing bad advice or they're hearing harmful comments that aren't giving them the best as an athlete. They're really harming them as a human. Right. And did you ever get this one? It has uh, also with body image. Were you ever, because you're a pretty tall skater, right? Yes. (laughs) Did you ever get shamed for your height? Yeah. I mean, like I would be told a lot, you know, I look slower, especially on TV because of my height, but on the ice, I'm just as fast as every other skater. So it would always be like, okay, cool. But luckily I had, you know, role models like, uh, Carolina Costner, even, you know, Kim, you know, they were all the long slender tall, um, lines. And so at least I had them to look up to, but at the same time, it was really difficult competing. I'd be taller than a lot of the guys even walking around at competitions. Right. Um, So same for me. Like Like, I always, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, that's, it's nice to hear that others went through that too. Cause I got height shamed. I'm like, I can't, okay body image, maybe, you know, whether you want to make the change, that's different, but you could, if you need to, right. You can't do anything about height. Like, no. <laughs> and people were like, Oh, you're too tall for men's skating. You should go into pairs or you should go into ice stands because you're too tall. Like I could do all the same jumps and I was getting the score. So again, what does it matter? And luckily there's people like yourself and Carolina and Evan Lysacek that, yeah. you know, Evan won the Olympics. He's six, three. So I yeah. was like, you know, sit down, sit, sit back down. Yeah, exactly. No, totally. I think, uh, once again, you know, celebrating that, um, uniqueness and that difference, you know, it doesn't have right. to be your standard short power skater that can just like pop a jump in the air. You know, some people are going to be taller. Some people have longer lines. Right. Some people, you know, have that string bean rotation like we do. And right. it's just as good. It's just a different 
um, type. And so until everybody exactly. skates perfect on the ice, you really can't talk about which one you like better, you know? Exactly. Fully yeah. agree. Yep. Well, um, on your Instagram, I know you've traveled a lot to Japan and you speak yes. Japanese. Tell us about that passion so and how you got into that language <laughs> in that country. Yeah. So, I mean, there are biggest supporters in the sport. And um, from a young age, my whole family has really like loved Asia. My brother and I, uh, Pokemon actually got us hooked. So when Pokemon came out, our neighbor across the street had actually just moved from Japan to the U.S. And her son was about our age. So we would play and he had everything Pokemon, but in Japanese. And we were like, oh, wow, what is this? You know? And uh, so then as we got older, um, I learned, my brother learned Japanese in high school and college. And then I chose to homeschool for my skating. Um, and so I couldn't learn Japanese, but I wanted to learn Japanese in college. And so when I went off to college, uh, I did international business. I should say I started in international business. And I, one, of that, one of the requirements is a language. So I took Japanese. And um, then I went to Japan and just being able to like communicate. I mean, you grew up speaking two languages and I, I've always thought that's so cool. All my friends in the sport that grew up speaking Russian or Chinese or French or whatever, I was like, oh, that's so cool. And so I really, uh, I went to Japan. I could, you know, ask like, can I order this? And I was just mind blown by that. Fast forward to like, starting a little bit more success in my skating career well all of the fans that started like following my social media and coming to competitions they were all from japan so i was like okay i really want to like push myself to speak more fluently and then that just started opening so many doors for me because you know a lot of other countries learn english as a second language um and so you could go to, like when I went to Korea, for example, all the skaters there spoke English. So it was not a problem to bring me in. Japan, they have a difficult time bringing in coaches and skaters that don't speak Japanese because a lot of the kids don't speak English there. So it was a huge door open for me because I do speak Japanese. I started getting invites to teach at seminars and do some choreography and then um, do some like small uh, like guest performances. And every time I go there, I just, I fall in love with the country. The people are so nice. I mean, the skating fans, you know, they like, they bow down to you. You're like royalty there. And it's just, it's such a cool experience. And it's really made me um, really appreciate Japan and just fall in love with it every time. In fact, I'm so sad. I haven't been able to go in a year and a half. And I was going like four times a year for the last four years. So, wow. Um, yeah, incredible. I've been 17 times total. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. I mean, it is such an amazing country. And yeah, I know every single skater always is so incredibly happy when they get assigned a competition in Japan because there's no yeah. skating fan base like the Japanese skating fan base. <laughs> it's unreal. I mean, I've been noticed on the streets and on the subway. And again, I didn't even go to like NHK or anything, but just because they're so... Uh, in tune with what's happening in the sport. They know every American skater, every Russian skater. And it's, I, I remember watching Worlds in a bar. Like I was in like your, it's called Hub. It's a chain of bars. And, you know, it's like a sports bar. And on every TV, they had Worlds playing. And every person, male, female, kid, adult, grandma, like they're all sitting there watching and cheering. And it's so unreal because that's 
wouldn't happen here. Maybe with like football or basketball, you'd see it here, but not with skating. So it was just so crazy to see like how in tune they are with the sport and it's on the news all the time. And um, so yeah, I've, I've always loved Japan, but that just really amplified my love for it. And the people are just so amazing. Yeah, it's it's the dream, honestly. <laughs> you, how many oh, yeah. times have you been? I've been three times, I think. I went yeah. to NHK, the Junior Grand Prix final, and then Worlds was in Saitama when I went. So, oh, nice. amazing! I definitely want to go and explore more. You know, like rural Japan. I I know like the nature oh, out there I'll is so you. gorgeous. Let's I want to ski too. It'd be so. Oh, fun. that's cool. They have great yeah. skiing. Yes, but I'm so well, down. Let's finish up to Japan. Let's do it. I'll give you the <laughs> tour. Fire. Great. Uh, well, I'm assuming that you watched The Last Worlds, right? Yes. Yes. So yes. what what did you think about Worlds? And um, what do you think about the possible age change that they've been in talks about making for both men and women skating? Sure. So being that my appearance my debut on team usa was when i was 25 i am a huge advocate for the age change and i uh watching worlds i was so thrilled for elizaveta i mean Mm -hmm. to come back what was it six years after she last was there and to get a world medal something like that correct me if i'm wrong um but i was just so thrilled for her because she comes from the country that is pushing this age lower and lower Mm -hmm. And yet she just keeps rising to the top and it just goes to prove that, you know, there's something to be said about um, the athletic abilities of a mature body. There's also just the, um, the excitement of watching a mature skater, you know, someone that like you watch other sports, everyone's adults, maybe like a teenager sprinkled in here or there, but most other sports, people are adults and, So I think it's really exciting for people like her to really rise to the top and prove that it's possible. So I'm a huge, huge advocate for the age change. I also think from an injury standpoint, um, you look at so many of these skaters, they don't even make it in a full four-year Olympic cycle. You know, they're good for two years and then they're done. And um, I think that's really unfortunate. So I'm all for the age change if it happens. I, I, yeah, I think that there's so many benefits. I mean, look at Jason Brown, he's killing it and he's now in his mid twenties and yeah, he's doing amazing. You know, there's so many skaters that don't get highlighted. They only highlight the little like 14 year old skater and nothing to take away from them. Cause they're also equally amazing. But I think that there's so much more longevity in a skater um, or any athlete when they're in their, you know, upper teens, later twenties, mid twenties, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. And I think world again, Elizaveta was amazing props to her. I totally agree. I think it's, it's amazing to see uh, skaters who have been in the sport for so long and they've put so much grit into their career. And so really to see a moment like that, where it, it just all comes together at something as big as the world championship in a field that's progressing. And it's like, slowly trying to push you out almost in a way it's just right, right. all the much more special and so um mm-hmm. yeah i i also am support for uh age range changing just yeah. because yeah like you know i think longevity is important i think the health of the younger skaters is really important and i don't necessarily 
see that being prioritized at the moment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's so many, look at Mariah Nagasu got triple axel in her twenties. Yeah. And, you know, I myself can proudly say I hit a personal best at 28 years old at nationals. I was seventh after short program and hit a personal best score. And at 27, like that's kind of quote unquote unheard of. But when you really look at the bigger picture, there's a ton of us that are doing those things. And I really wish that U.S. figure skating as well as ISU actually would highlight that stuff too. Like, you know, it Definitely. doesn't just need to be like, yeah, this 13 year old one world, but also look at the fact that we had three skaters in their mid twenties in the top 10. Like, I don't know. I think stuff like that should be really highlighted and it would keep so many more people in the sport as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think there's, there's so many athletes that are, you know, a little bit older, they're um, fully matured and they can actually give so much to the sport without that um, possible, you know, like we don't know what's going to happen to her or him, like when they grow, right. you know, that kind of right. thing. Like just look at Amber Glenn, she's 21 she's I think now it. and she triple axle yeah. is just, you know, doing amazing things. And so there's, there's so and much opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's yeah, just a lot, I mean, a lot to tap into as you get older, rather than just trying to rush everything. Yeah. Young. Right. No, totally. Her artistry has grown. I mean, that was my like big thing. I was never quote a technical skater. I was very consistent, but my thing was my artistry. And I didn't tap into that till I was in my twenties and really figure out like how to skate from the heart, how to perform and put on a smile or create an emotion and bring an audience of 10,000 to tears, you know, like that's something you only figure out with time and maturity. And like Amber's doing that now. And Carolina is amazing at that. And mm -hmm. so that's a whole nother thing that I think, you know, it's not just people want to watch an older skater. They want to watch it because they bring this maturity and this performance quality to the ice that you can only figure out with time. Yeah. There's just more life experience you can throw in as well into definitely, your performance. Definitely. You know, like I remember when I was competing against, um, like Gracie and Ashley Wagner, uh, like Ashley was way, way more mature, obviously than me at 15. Oh, yeah. And she had, right. you know, she's known for her artistry and her, you know, programs delivering so much emotion and, Right. Like I would watch her as a competitor and it was always amazing to see, you know, what she could bring to the ice. And it's like, you know, me at 15, I can't really bring a love story when I've never, you know, experienced right. any of those things on the ice. Like I can try my best, but it's going to be more of a 13 year old Romeo and Juliet type thing than um, right. Right. You know, something more mature. So it, it comes with time and it comes with experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm for it. Let's change it. <laughs> What would you change in the judging system if you could? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that there needs to be more judgment based on what they see in front of them and not a record, you know, what your skating history is, what you're known to do. Um, because there's been so many times I personally was affected by that. And it's like, um, you know, there, there were times where my, especially towards the end of my competitive career, my skating history did help me on a bad day, which I was very grateful for. But on another note, I know what it's like to be that skater that just had the best clean program they've had. And they're hoping maybe it'll be the first time I can win regionals or sectionals or, you know, make the top 10 at nationals and get onto team USA. And then you're like, Oh, okay. 
I'm sitting here in 14th at nationals, even though I just skated better than five people in front of me. And so Mm -hmm. I think that judging needs to be much more clear. It needs to be, you know, you did a beautiful triple Lutz, you get the points for that. But if you skate like a truck, you get the points for that too. You know, if again, being more of a showman skater, I did the technical I needed to do. Like I was consistent. I rarely ever popped or fell. I think that I was always rewarded well for my technical. And then being that I was the artistic skater though, there were times I was really well rewarded and times I really wasn't. And a good comparison, Karen Chen at Worlds, her artistry was the same as the girl that got third from Russia. And I was like, I'm sorry, there is a clear black and white difference. And the same thing would happen to me. Like my technical would be so-so and then my components would be huge. But then the skater that's a good technical skater that was clearly not on my level as far as components would score the same as higher. And so, you know, that I think that all needs to change. Skating should be judged how how you see it that day and nothing else. And I think that they really need to start cracking down on judges to do that because it's it's so crucial to the skaters in our sport and it's so crucial to keeping viewership in our sport too. Like they don't realize that it kind of boils down to that. Like unfair judging makes people not want to watch this sport. And I will say that as loud as I need to. <laughs> like, Yeah. I, no, you know, that was sorry, such a good listening. one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. That was no. such a good one. Um, definitely. And as a skater I can totally relate to that. And I, I really think the same way, like the fan base is just slowly shrinking because people are watching and they just don't know what's going on. Like how can this person who skated gorgeous be under somebody who fell like four times, right? Like it just doesn't make sense. And, um, yeah, politics, man, they just, I know it's keep doing what they do. (laughs) I know. And I, I think that the day that it changes, you will see a drastic change in the sport because it's not like it's not a cool sport. I mean, you look at, things like Alaj, he is skyrocketing. He doesn't, Oh my God. Amazing. You know, he, Mm -hmm. he's just posting really cool stuff on his Instagram and he's creating this huge following of people that have nothing to do with skating. And even for me, like I've been posting a ton of skating stuff recently again, um, kind of stepped away from it for a bit. I needed that like clarity in my mind after announcing retirement, but like, I've been trying to post like really cool, you know, like whatever's trendy with TikTok and posting that. And I get a ton of people that are like, wow, I never thought skating was so cool. I've never like, or I've watched it one time and didn't understand the judging. So I never watched it again, but this is really cool stuff. So there are these innovators that are really pulling in a fan base. And ironically, we're all the retired ones. So it's like, how can we now (laughs) disperse that into the competitive world and make people want to stay and watch it? And I think that again, stems down to understanding the judging. Yeah. Why the skater got that. Definitely. Man, what, what rink are you coaching at now? may I ask in LA? I'm at Great Park in Irvine, California, which is where um, the pairs with Todd and Jenny are. Uh, Nathan and Mariah are there. Um, We have a whole like troop of skaters across different coaching teams. It's really amazing. That's awesome. Well, shout out everyone in LA. Find Sean because you're a great, great young coach (laughs) who's ready to be there for you. (laughs) Take on the world. (laughs) Thank you. I love it. You'll have to come down and skate with us. The rink. Have you ever been there? I think I have once. I've never skated there. I think I went there to get um, some boots fitted or something at their pro shop. But um, yeah, I've I've never skated there. It's beautiful. 
Okay, yeah. well, let me know when you're in Super Southern down. California. We'll go for a skate session. Well, that was really awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Sean. Um, a lot of great stuff covered. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really great to share, you know, some of my background and compare our stories and even just get to catch up, you know, that's, like I said, leaving the sport can be kind of, I shouldn't say leaving the sport, stepping away from the competitive circle of the mm-hmm. sport can be hard again, because like you and I, I was thinking like, when did I first meet Polina in it? I can't even remember. Same. Like we've just <laughs> known each other for so long. Yeah. And, but it's so sad because like we get to, you know, a point of meeting each other every month at competitions and shows, and then you kind of step away from that. And it's been really great getting to touch base and catch up because been a while so yeah thank you so much for having me and happy to come on anytime (laughs) awesome i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode please let me know what you think subscribe to my channel give me a rating give me a review follow me on my instagram that's where i'm promoting this my username is at paulina edmonds and stay tuned for my upcoming episodes keep an eye out for them and i can't wait to talk to you guys next week Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.